being a badass has not always been celebrated in my life. And that's kind of why I really took a focal point on like being a badass does not mean that you're not afraid. Being a badass means that you are afraid because you're so aware and you care so much of everything or about everything around you that you're willing to do what other people are not willing to do. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast created in the wonderful city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Ashley Benson, and I am so excited about the episode ahead. I had the opportunity to sit down with Shalina Ali, co-executive director of True School and co-founder of Circulate MKE Market. Speaking of, this Friday, after all the turkey and stuffing eating, it's time to shop until you drop. And at Bridge the City, we are all about local, 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 which is exactly what Circulate MKE Black Friday Market is all about as well. Join Shalina and local vendors at the Avenue this Friday, November 29th, to shop at and support local businesses. I hope to see you at the Avenue this Friday. And if you love our podcast and mission of Bridge the City, please rate and subscribe and share your favorite action step on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or better yet, share when you take action this Friday, November 29th, at Circulate MKE Black Friday Market. All right, without further ado, let's get to know Shalina. Thank you so much for being here. Could you first introduce yourselves to our listeners? Yeah, my name is Shalina Ali. I'm from Milwaukee. I am currently the co-executive director of True School. Been there for about seven years. And I'm the co-creator of the Circulate MKE Market, which is about to have our fifth Black Friday market coming up this year in 2019. And I'm also the creator of the Art of Coping curriculum. I first was introduced to you from the Jackin Awards, and you won the Badass Award. Thank you. Yes. Because they like kind of cut it out. I was like, come on, let's let's go forward with this badass title. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, what does badass mean to you? Well, first of all, I have to acknowledge that being a badass has not always been celebrated in my life. And, you know, and that's kind of why I really took a focal point on like being a badass does not mean that you're not afraid. Mm -hmm. Being a badass means that you are afraid because you're so aware and you care so much of everything or about everything around you that um, you're willing to do what other people are not willing to do. And, And sometimes it creates discomfort or it raises questions where people don't want questions raised or it means having to be swift and shift your course. And not everybody is always down for that. And I mean, I I can take this all the way back to being a young girl and just thinking about how I didn't always feel like I I fit in. And that didn't mean socially or it didn't mean that I couldn't, it didn't mean that I wasn't around people, but like from my family to my friends, I always kind of raised a certain kind of awareness and discomfort that I just remember sometimes people resenting. Mm. And, and you know, that went on throughout my life and even into my career. And it really took me just growing up and thinking about what areas of myself that regardless of whether I'm insecure or not, am I not willing to compromise? Because if I'm not that person, I'm no longer me. 
mm-hmm. and then saying, okay, then I have to find confidence and, and I have to believe in that. And I have to work on myself in these areas because somewhere intuitively and deep down inside, I have, I have sight and vision that I know I have to move forward towards because it really is going to be helpful or it really is being overlooked. And without moving towards that, something is going to be lost. And knowing that I'm going to have to go through some kind of friction to get through this, but I'm going to learn something in the process and something is going to change at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that is the biggest thing about being called a badass and even being celebrated. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. What? Do you know how many times this has been used against me in my life as it relates to being a woman, as it relates to be a woman of color, as it relates to being somebody who does not necessarily show up intentionally dressed in a version that will make other people comfortable. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm a, an executive director, you know, and I have piercings and I have tattoos and I have a certain way of carrying myself that does not always conform to the boardroom. Mm-hmm. And so even in that, at this point in my life, I'm sometimes reminded of how different I am. But in this particular case, I was awarded for being a badass. Wow. Thanks, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. And I loved your your answer just now. And also the the scared, but moving forward anyway, that quote in that essence really stuck out to me at the Jackins whenever you shared that. And one of the things I want to know is what led you to be able to fully embrace that side of you and the way you show up in this world? Yeah. You know, um, I think I learned early on that I was going to show up however I needed to show up, but the fear and the, um, the second guessing of myself and all those things came along with it. And so sometimes I would just have to carry this heaviness and figure out what to do with it. So eventually I was like, you know, if you're going to do this anyways, you're going to have to work on yourself and figure out how to not always feel heavy or not always be scared. So it didn't necessarily come to fruition it's the internal process that had to learn how to be present because this other thing was in me and it was coming out regardless. And being somebody who is very emotional, very aware, very present, who has audacity and tenacity and will completely fall apart at night or, you know, be scared, have butterflies. (laughs) I mean, I'm so scared of stages. It's not funny. And people... (laughs) I would not think that. <laughs> always surprised. Unless you know me very well or you work very closely with me, you would not know. Uh, so I, I have a lot of great supporters around me who help me through those processes. But it was kind of like, if you're going to keep doing this, you have to figure out something for yourself so that in the midst of moving forward towards this, the, the scary moments that you know are meaningful and helpful that you're not secretly beating yourself up all the time. So I think that is more of the aha process than the action itself. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something about having a support group who really has allowed you to embrace who you are and also knows things that maybe not everyone else knows. And Emily Phillips also mentions kind of her support group and her tribe. So how has community and those supports really shaped who you are? And how do you lean on those folks every day? Yeah, I love that you use the word tribe. I did a a talk for Milwaukee 
uh, one year ago, I believe. And I literally at the end of it, I said, know who your tribe is. And, you know, your, your tribe is a mixture of people who they're not your cheerleaders in a sense because they they help you grow and get better by acknowledging the areas that you're weak. They champion you in the areas that they know that you bring a certain sense of unique and strength to. And then they're also kind of, uh, they're able to listen to you as well so that there's a balance between where you're learning and where you're supporting and growing. So the the tribe is not just the people that will always lie to you and tell you what you want to hear, but the tribe is who will accept you for who you are and also be a part of your growth process. And it's interesting because especially for women, you think about the way young men are raised and the the um the culture around sports, the patting on the butt, the winning, <laughs> the losing, the the being able to yell at each other and then get over it off the court and then come back again and fight again. There's a certain kind of camaraderie that is instilled in young boys. And then there's a lot of different elements around that that might mold that competitiveness and camaraderie, but still at least it's there. They get to confront it at a young age. Most girls are taught to babysit clean cook. These are very isolated events. So we are really structured at a young age in in most cases to care for others unconditionally, unapologetically, and well, because our performance matters uh, in that arena as well. And we're also socially taught to be competitive with each other, that only a few of us can stand out. We're not like them. You know, I don't really get along with girls, you know, that all this lingo, it's in many cultures, it's in many classes that, you know, you are a winner if you're that girl that gets along with the dudes. Yep. When, you know, it's it's such a, a horrible way of teaching young girls and young boys to grow up because what it does is it ignores the fact that we're we're all performers and we're all feelers. And so the way that shifts between young women and young men, we, we can acknowledge that, like, you know, the difference in our journeys. I mean, a boy is not going to get his period. That's a whole different level of insecurities. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I talk from the standpoint of us growing up in our most vulnerable points at being young people, especially transitioning into adulthood, because I think those are the most trans- transformative points in our lives. And so you, you kind of have to speak to that to talk about who we are as adults. But the, the the way that girls are really ignored in these really essential um, learning points of being able to work together and, and feel confident with each other and build with each other and think about a team, it, it's, it's really a, a deficit to us because until we learn to get older and understand how empowering it is to have women be in our support system and be our soundboards and be some of of our own reflections, then there's a piece of us that always kind of feels less than whole. And in the same note, I think it also is detrimental that as women, when we become empowered by other women to think that now men can't be a part of that journey and we somehow have to make up for lost time by making them the monster. Mm-hmm. Now we're creating a brand new imbalance that doesn't serve us either. So it's a really interesting thing. I, I guess what I say is when you get to the point when you're saying, okay, I'm going to acknowledge that myself as an individual also needs the support and love and growth 
that comes from the reflection of others, that this encompasses both the, the value of having women support you and also having men as a part of that support team and everything in between and for whatever that means. Mm-hmm. You're in a position both personally and professionally to to mold and have influence over young people. And mm-hmm. you're talking about how young people in this vulnerable time, they're getting messages. Yeah. So how are you utilizing your knowledge and wisdom to instill this knowledge and wisdom on the young people that are growing up today? Well, the fun part about True School, we're well, one, we're... We're in the basement of the Grand Avenue Mall. So it's like our, our directives are go to the TJ Maxx and follow the winding <laughs> stairs and you'll find true school. Mm-hmm. We've heard people from all of the United States to all over the world. I mean, from Israel to different places in Africa, people visiting us from Europe. They come into true school and they take a tour and they're like, we've never seen anything like this. We just had the fall experiment and there was a guy that goes by the hip hop gamer and him and his homie Lucky came through. They're from New York. They're from the heart of hip hop. They're connected and they were in awe. They're walking around like nothing like this exists. Like there's pieces of this that exist, but nothing like this that exists in one place. But what they mean by that is not just the elements of hip hop and and the experience itself, but the consideration to the welcoming environment, the understanding of how knowledge and being able to process your experiences and, and learn about the history, but also prepare for the future, relate that to the arts, combine it with having great relationship, the encouragement to work as a team in order to sharpen yourself as an individual. In that particular place, we can make sure that when an adult, but especially a young person walks into that door, that they can forget what exists anywhere else, that they can let go of pressure, insecurities, that they have the opportunity to release any barrier that could get in the way of them being successful in that space. And we talk about it, we express it, we show it, we make sure that there's healthy food for them to eat after school, filtered water, fruits, granola bars, you know, things like that. We make sure that our teaching instructors are not only qualified, but we have the right equipment and supplies and that also they're developing great, healthy relationships with the young people to make sure that we're fully prepared, that there is kind of a process with a realistic criteria to actually hit your goals. You know, so what we hope is in this particular world, in this particular environment, if a young person can figure out a formula that works for them, to create to to achieve success, then we get to say, all right, now apply that to your neighborhood, apply that to your home, apply that to the school setting. Now we know that it doesn't take away from a lot of the the construct that is there that is already making barriers to success. But we want them to be able to say, as an artist, let me creatively think how I can still succeed under these circumstances. These young people are the ones that are going to step into a lot of the professional roles that are making decisions. The CEOs, the people who are impacting the environment, our political climate, 
the even the service industry, just the way we treat each other, passing and going in space and in service. And so what we understand is that if we're creating cohorts of young people and they have each other and they are each other's tribes, their confidence in moving forward, and as I said on that stage, shaking shit up for the better, is going to be more likely and, you know, in the meantime, we're also putting those young people at the forefront of, you know, our events, of the performances, of a lot of our project work, even with our partners outside of True School. And so we're hoping that they are making an impact on adults even now, on the community that is existing, and that there's a little bit of like, what kind of outcomes can we do now? What's going to happen in the near future? And then just really being hopeful to, you know, what's next further out. So for listeners who might not be familiar with True School, could you tell us what you all do? True School is Milwaukee Center for Creative Arts and Hip Hop Culture. So we we understand that the arts is something that is relatable to all peoples, regardless of gender, culture, and class. And then hip hop culture is something that was really born from uh, young people who did not feel like they were being treated right. They understood that something was wrong and they created power within themselves by coming up with this culture that allowed them to express themselves through music, through dance, and through these other forms of art um, to really say, hey, we are here and it's undeniable. And, you know, hip hop culture has had a global effect. It is everywhere that you can look and it is... Uh, influential in the classroom, in business, in the family uh, spectrum. And so for us, hip hop culture is about, it's about creating a sense of love, of unity. It's about entrepreneurship. It's about being able to reach and impact the community. And it's about being inclusive. And so something that was really born out of youth. I mean, the culture itself is 46 years old and, you know, the, the, the founders of hip hop are still alive, still talking, still, still teaching. And now we have seen hip hop evolve in so many different ways. And so at true school, we are just making sure that some of the foundation of that knowledge and understanding is being passed on to this, this generation that is evolving the art and, you know, just really making a place in this world. I'm so glad True School exists in our community. <laughs> what is something you've really learned from being in this role and being in a leadership position with True School? Well, I never, ever, ever wanted to be an executive director. Okay. I, I, I didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have since, you know, what I do within the construct of the nonprofit sector has really been born from what I understood in my home and, and in my neighborhoods and in my communities. And that has always gone to work with me. And, you know, from a young age, what I brought to the table, and that goes to the earlier conversation, being a badass was not celebrated, you know? So looking at the kind of difficult journey that I've had along the way, what I always understood is that my bosses, my supervisors, the, the bureaucracy around the work has never looked at me as being the ultimate asset. So my experience never told me that I was meant to be an executive director. When I got the opportunity to be one, I was very hesitant. <laughs> it, it was not in my plan. 
but I thought long and hard because something in my intuition and something in my gut said, this is what you're supposed to do next. And the artist in me said, all right, but how can I shake things up? So when I went to the board, I said, okay, I will do this if you make me a co-executive director. And my my coworker, Fidel, and I talked about it. We talked about the value of it. We kind of talked about how both of our journeys and our history and our family and our community and our work made sense for this to happen. And then we did a res- we did research a national on a national scale of how co-directorships have succeeded. And we made kind of like a case and we went and we presented it to the board and it was just kind of undeniable. And and it kind of felt, it was so hip hop of us, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like it was just, it was meant to be. And so that within itself made me feel like, all right, this is just a new unpredictable journey that I am meant to be on. That's awesome. Okay. I would love to talk about intersectionality and identity. I think it's important for everyone to have a conversation around it. Um, We talked earlier about being a woman, being a woman of color, being a woman who is now celebrated for your badassery and weren't always. By Um, some people. Yeah, by some people. Um, So what does identity mean to you? So I love telling people don't put me in your box as often as possible. You know, I am, my mother's Mexican my father's Pakistani and I'm technically or not technically first generation, both sides. My, my grandmother came across the border and gave birth to my mother and then still raised her for a couple years in Mexico originally. So, and then my father came here directly from Pakistan. I grew up in Milwaukee. I grew up on the North side of Milwaukee. And so the idea of segregation and, and race in that capacity was really unfolded to me later in life because although I I understood struggle, I understood barriers, I understood that there were a lot of resources that we did not have access to, my family growing up, I didn't know that it was race-related. I didn't understand that because there was friction even within my own family because of culture. And so what I have understood is the things that relate me to people are more about how we're aligned in thoughts and value than necessarily culture. Because I will tell you, there was no more displacement than what I learned in the early years between the clash of cultures in my family and the fight for who I belong to. And so I learned at a young age to not conform. And to be honest, that prepared me for the very real and blatant and hurtful racism that I was exposed to the minute I got to a point where I was old enough to kind of venture off on my own. And I mean, in the workplace, in the school system, on the street, I mean, it, it was it was so shocking to me, these things that my dad warned me about when I was a young girl. And I'd be like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. What are you talking about, dad? And then coming out and like, just kind of being exposed to like being a young person that was ready for the world and being in, you know, being introduced to a world that, that didn't necessarily think that they had to be ready for me and, you know, and and wanted to put me down and put me in a section and kind of how I was like, no, I'm not with it. Not, not socially, not in my educational experience, not professionally. So at the end of the day, 
this is where it goes back to where I say my heart and my intuition, like I trust it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I try to forgive people for theirs, their issues and, and the way that they see the world and how I fit into the world that they see and to not follow that lead. I think that it is very important to acknowledge and be real about the fact that we are in a social construct that is designed for a particular kind of person to succeed in and for and that has that does not have a high value for other people. In the process of each person's journey of defining who we are and also eliminating this idea of where our success is capped, I don't think that that is equally partnered with pretending that our history doesn't exist or that the realities around the current construct construct exists. And like earlier you were saying like, you know, the 2016 elections sparked this conversation. So this better be the place where we can really talk about this. We are full on dealing with people not holding their tongues around their biases, their racism. And there are certain people who are not open to progress and they're scared of it and they don't know what that means for them. And so because of it, they're lashing out, they're acting out. I mean, you know, even people that had, that believed that they were liberal and believed that they were beyond racism at at this very critical and crucial time are having to choose sides. And it's a 50-50 chance where people are going to go. The other part of that is, as you see that happening, I almost see also the same divide between folks who are younger and older generations. And that is becoming very evident too, because in the long run, the younger generation no longer wants what has been constructed for them, regardless of race. And, and, and I think that's on a majority. So at this time, I think it's so important for the younger generations to get educated, to find a voice and to speak up and take on some of this leadership in this country. Yeah, absolutely. And one of our values at City Year, which is an organization I work with, is belief in the power of young people. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. Also, when we're talking about young people, then we also have to talk about um, our school systems. We have to talk about access to arts. We have to talk about where funding is going. And even then, when we're talking about young people, what young people have the most opportunities right now, what young people are being heard the most um, and who has the greatest influence. And so if we all understand that young people are going to be where the energy is going to be put to move the needle, then what kind of energy are we going to put in? Cause it's not good enough to just say young people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if, if they're going to be boxed in, if they're going to be completely, um, cut off from resources. And, and if we're not going to be honest with young people about the world that they're living in, then we're just talking anyways. Yeah. Or if we're supporting and providing resources for one group of young people and not the entirety of the that's next history. Yeah. That's been how yeah. it's been. That's, <laughs> you know, that's the cycle we've been living in. Yeah. And so while we have the language and while we have the awesome opportunity through media, through Facebook, through these podcasts, you know, 
what kind of conversations are we really going to have? And then where are we going to put these resources? And just know the more transparent you are, the more somebody who is set in their ways and reluctant to, to go that route is going to make it harder for us to do that. Yeah. Okay. So I saw that you are part of sister circles. You also talked about um, Circulate Milwaukee yeah. and some other organizations and groups that you are part of. Could you tell about these other groups and yes. what you do and what your role is for My that? tribes. Yes, exactly. Uh, Sister Circle is an amazing, amazing opportunity that came across my way about maybe 12 years ago. I was pretty young. And it's a group of women who are all either therapists, counselors, they're educators. And it's a group of a very diverse group of women who get together once a month, have wine, have Mm -hmm. finger foods and dinner, and, and they talk about the work and life. And it's really, it was intended to bring back some wholeness and some uh, refreshed energy to those who serve in these really fulfilling, but sometimes heavy sectors of professionalism. It's mental health, right? So we would be having these conversations and I was invited in, to be honest, I was surprised because I was the only one who didn't have like a degree in mental health or didn't have an official title. But one of my mentors, Lori Gramling, who knew me since I was young, her and her, me and her daughter were like best friends in high school. She really was the one that came to me and said, Shalina, this, you're in my profession. Look at what you do. You, you talk to young people, you uplift young people. I hear your passion when you talk about your work. There's no difference between you and I. And that was a crazy moment for me because my daughter was actually still a baby. And to go to these sister circles, I had to show up 24 years old with a two-year-old. And, you know, they they welcomed me. They welcomed my child. They welcomed my youthfulness. They welcomed my whole self, how I came. And when we had conversations around different cases or just talking about the work environment and things like that, when I spoke, they found value in it. And what I found without knowing like fancy terminology was a cross between sociology and psychology. And I really found myself learning and growing and expanding my interest in this. I ended up creating the art of coping. And I always tell people I was my first case study, you know, to really understand something that really makes sense and resonates for a young person who is realistically just going through really difficult things. Like you're being raised in an environment that is, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say like it was just all traumatic and all bad, but what I want to say is some, some serious things happened and, and those things lingered and, and they, and they imprinted and, and it really molded a lot of my understanding. And I watched people around me be impacted in such negative ways. You know, when you love people and you're watching these things happen to your family, your community, and, and even like having to fight the way I had to fight for every opportunity that I've ever had, you know, it, you don't come out of that unmarked. You don't come out of that unemotional. You know, it, it, it you might develop a certain sense of survival, but that that doesn't mean that that part of my life did doesn't still exist within me now. So just feeling really blessed to have a support system like the sister circle where somebody literally saw something in me and said, hey, you actually do deserve, hey, you, you are there. You're that thing that you want to become. Like 
you're kind of her. That community really gave me the the confidence to develop the Art of Coping, which essentially is an emotional wellness program for young people. And it has been such a profound experience to think that like the Art of Coping really intertwines everything else that I do because at the end of the day, it's all just about people being well and people being happy and healthy. So there's that. There's Sister Circle. I still go. We're still doing Great. things. We're That's actually awesome. like contract and we do bigger community work and different things like that. And then there's a the Circulate Market, which I co-created about five years ago. We're about to have our our annual Black Friday market, which was the kickoff market of all the markets. And it was before there was a huge market culture in Milwaukee and before part of the blueprint for an event was to also include vendors and to really create a platform for local creatives and entrepreneurs, and not just in the sense of economics, but also in the sense of cultural preservation of uh, holistic alternatives to those things that are not holistic. And what I even mean by that is like even down to like bath and body products, being able to purchase goods that don't help some CEO buy their fifth home, but really just puts resources back into the community. Um, and to also just think about our health, how the products that we use and the, the chemicals that we're exposed to have everything to do with some of the health ailments that we have, the food that we eat, the community that we keep. And so, yeah, the, the circulate market was really an alternative option to boycotting, to be honest. At that, that year in 2015, there were there was a huge call for boycotts. And people were saying, boycott the Walmart, boycott boycott the Targets and everything else. And I was like, yeah, we're right. You're right. We should. But then I was like, but also people need basic needs. But also there's a lot of joy in giving, especially around the holidays. And we all need a sense of community, especially when it's cold outside. You know, mm -hmm. where do you convene when it's cold outside to just feel like your world is bigger than your home? And so really... These needs of the community were at the forefront of the creation of the Circulate Market. It quickly evolved. And even in the process from the day that we decided to create the Circulate Market, which two weeks later we had the Circulate Market, Circulate Small was already created because in our search for entrepreneurs, we found so many young people that were ready to hit the market they had a service or a product and they wanted to make some money. And so actually one of our um, youth vendors were the ones that came, came up with the name Circulate Small. Yeah, we've had over 30 mar markets since. We've had uh, well over 100 vendors and we've moved our market to about 25 different places all over the city in Milwaukee. And now you see a whole lot of regularity around local entrepreneurship, local buying, um, and a lot of holistic practices just being normalized in a way that it wasn't at that time. I love that. That's like <laughs> such a great like idea that has come to fruition. Yeah. And I love the like counter, like the countering of a boycott. I think um, amongst my friend groups and communities, sometimes we're like, oh, I feel like I live in world of contradictions where I'm like, no, they're not supporting the things that I want, but I also am going and buying something on Amazon. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just like, how do you, how do you balance those contradictions? And I love this idea. Yeah. So with that, when is the next one? Ah, so the next <laughs> one is 
going to be on Black Friday, which is November 29th. You can visit circulatemke.com. We're also Circulate MKE on Facebook as well as Instagram. And uh, same thing with True School, uh, True School, S-K-O-O-L.org. We're True School 414 on Instagram and Facebook. You know, just following with us will offer you all kinds of opportunities to get involved year round, whether you're coming to markets to shop local, network and meet people, or if you are looking to see galleries or public events and really just kind of be part of the whole uh, hip hop movement centered around the youth that we have going on. I don't think that there's a single thing that I do, regardless of whether it's geared towards youth that isn't equally um, relevant to adults and families. Yeah, that's awesome. So that kind of leads us into our final question at Bridge the City. We love to leave all of our listeners, just not with great information, but ways to tangibly get involved in their community. Okay. So the last question we always ask is, what action item, what action step would you like to leave our listeners today? Okay. Well, you know, volunteering is always an easy one, but you know, when it comes to volunteering, I think intentional support is always important. Uh, and so although I know everybody wants to come to true school and come to the market and have their hands on volunteering, I think sometimes when it comes to like the market, find out what the markets are, create a meetup group and come with 20 people, like spread the word, share the flyers, get the word out and talk about the market in the same way that I would talk about the market and recognize its value. The other thing when it comes to true school is we have a uh, gala re coming up on December 14th at Automation Arts. And what I'm interested in is who is your employers? Who's your CEOs? What's your network? Who can you get to bring sponsorship to True School? Um, what employee giving programs are there? What grants are we not aware of? Uh, how can we get some tangible support into the organization so that we can keep empowering youth and artists from the community? And, you know, that within itself is some of the greatest assets that you can bring so that we can keep empowering our greatest assets, which are the people. Come have some fun, but also think about how you're in your world and what you have access to, how it can funnel resources into what we're doing. A meetup group. We've never heard that before. So I'm going to go do it. Go meet, make a meetup group. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. I learned a lot. Awesome. Well, let me just say uh, for anybody that has any questions, my email is Shalina, S H A L I N A, at trueschool.org, T R U E S K O O L. Please feel free to hit me up directly. I'm not even like that. My cell phone number is 414. 414- three five zero seven seven one nine it's on every business card on my facebook and everywhere else so it's really not anything to hide and so you know if people are inspired and they really feel like they have a great idea to help or if you have questions give me a call that's amazing i might text you later so just letting you know all right (laughs) all right thank you so much thank you thank you again shalina for sitting down with bridge the city to discuss a breadth of topics as a little teaser for the future, we are excited to sit down with Shalina again in the future for a deeper dive into the art of coping and the intersection of art and mental health. As a reminder, Circulate MKE Black Friday Market is this Friday, November 29th. You all can and should participate and support local vendors at The Avenue, which is across from TJ Maxx downtown. As always, let us know what you think of the podcast by rating and subscribing wherever you get your podcast, and by becoming a patron today. 
We love to hear from you all, so share with us on Twitter, Facebook, and even LinkedIn on how you're helping bridge the city.